I invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel this morning. Um, It's an interesting time of year. Um, I'm actually kind of wrapping up where we started in January this morning. Um, It's it's amazing how pastors do that sometimes. But um, we find ourselves in an interesting time of year as we sit uh, coming out of Christmas, which was just a couple days ago, and we're already looking toward the new year. Most of us are saying, can we get out of 2020 quicker, please? Um, there is that reality as well. And, and here's what I know. At least coming out of Christmas, um, a few of you probably, I'm not going to say everybody, but experience tells me that a few of you probably, as you open some Christmas uh, presents this week, and, and I really kind of hope it didn't happen, but... And there's always a but. Like I said, experience tells me in May, you, as you opened up a present this week, you probably said, oh, you shouldn't have. And you know what I'm saying. Oh, you shouldn't have. I mean, in your mind, seriously, you shouldn't have. And it reminds me of Ralphie in A Christmas Story. As he opens this gift from his aunt and... He gets a pink bunny suit. And we all feel for Ralphie at that moment. We all feel and understand that if we're, as we watch that, and if we're honest, that we've all been in that situation where we open the box and we wonder how do we change what's in there? You know, for some, you're deciding, okay, can I exchange it? Do I put it in the closet and just bring it out whenever they show up? Or who do I give this to that I don't get caught? And we wonder, how do we change this? Because we want something different. And my question for you today is, do you ever find yourself looking in the mirror and saying the same thing? I wish I could change who I was on the inside or something on the outside or I wish I was more patient. I wish I was more successful. I wish I knew more about God's Word. Maybe I wish I was more like Him or I was more like her. And and I believe this morning as, as we study in 1 Samuel that we find something God is trying to give us with that as we feel those way, that way at times. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at two different characters, two prime characters in 1 Samuel this morning. Two guys that kind of start out in similar ways and yet have very key differences at the same time. The first is Saul, the first king of Israel. The second Stark contrast, David, the second king of Israel. And their stories start in similar ways. In in chapter 9, we are introduced to Saul. And how we're introduced to him is his family have lost some donkeys, and he and some of the servants go out looking for them. They can't find them. They've searched everywhere, so he decides, you know what? 
I know there is a prophet of God in this nearby town. So he goes to him, knocks on the door, intending to ask him, where's the donkeys? Can you help me? Where are these donkeys of my family? We, we need to find them. And what happens instead as he knocks on this door is Samuel meets him and things go in an entirely different direction. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, we find that Samuel takes instead a flask of olive oil, pours it over Saul's head, and says, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you king over his people. And he does say, hey, by the way, they found the donkeys, but this is more important. I mean, imagine that. You've, you've, you've gone to someone... You're looking for something that was lost, and all of a sudden, this prophet of God says, you're going to be the first king of God's anointed people. That's Saul. Second is David, who shows up just a few chapters later, uh, and his story starts with him watching over his family's sheep and goats because he's the caretaker, he's a shepherd. And Samuel, the very same prophet who not that long ago had appointed and anointed Saul to be king of Israel, shows up at David's house looking for the second king because Saul has screwed up royally and God has decided that there's a new change that's going to happen and, and he, he goes where he needs to go and he gets there and he meets David's father and he pulls in, starts pulling in the brothers and and one by one, each one comes up and, and, and they look good on the outside and there's different things about them and, and yet, nope, this isn't the one. Bring the next. And one by one, he, he goes through them and he gets to the end and he says, Jesse, is there someone missing? He goes, well, there's David. He's, he's the youngest. He's the little guy. He's out watching the flocks. And he goes, well, go get him. I'll wait. And what we find as, he, as David comes up in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, it says that David, as David stood among his brothers, Samuel took a flask of olive oil that he had brought, and he anoints David as the second king. Now, he doesn't take over Right then and there, about 30 years happened between this and when he becomes the actual king. But there's some familiarity in here. There, there's actually three truths that kind of stand out immediately in, in what's going on here. First of all, they're both called to it. We, we see this. Both David and Saul have, have a calling put upon their life. That God has a purpose for them, a, a role for them to play amidst His people. And it's clear because they're anointed and God has told them that, that He wants them to be king. At the same time, they're gifted for it. Gifting is the means that which God gives us uh, the, the things we need to be able to care out, carry out the calling that God has has put on our lives. And so in both stories, we see that the Spirit of God 
comes upon them as they're anointed so that they can be what they needed to be. So they're called to it. They're gifted for it. And others can see it. It's interesting that we're told that Saul, on his way home uh, at that moment after being anointed, that the Spirit of God comes powerfully on them. He begins to prophesy. And others see this going on in his life that, that are passing him by and saying, is Saul one of the prophets? Is he one of the men of God now? Because the same, and the same is true as, as the Spirit of God came upon David. Everybody recognizes it. In fact, one day Saul is, is needing something and he's looking for somebody to help him because he's having all these issues. And one of his servants becomes, comes up and says, you know what, I know of this guy. The Spirit of God is upon him and he recommends David. And it's interesting to me that others can look upon somebody else and see the thumbprint of God and say, you know what? God has gifted this person. So why is it so hard for us as followers of Christ to look in the mirror and see that God has gifted us too? Instead, we look in the mirror and we see all that's there and we focus or we tend to focus on the gaps instead of the blessings. We, 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 see, and we, we see all the errors and the different parts of our life and, and, and the problem is, is when we focus and we fixate on the gaps, we fail to see the gifts that God has given and the reality is that there are three things that, that were, the three things that were true about Saul and David are also true about you and me. If you're a follower of Christ, God has some base callings on your life as well as specific callings for your life. That, that God has, as, as followers of Christ, we have a similar calling. There are there are three things specifically that we have a similar calling in. First of all is a calling to follow Jesus. At some point as you've encountered Jesus, and, and maybe not exactly in these same words, but Jesus says, you know, drop your nets, get up and follow me. And now you have this calling. We are called to become more like him each and every day. But secondly, we also have a calling to love God and love others. That, that Jesus stated the greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And as a result of, of that, as we learn what it is to love God more and more, to, we learn what it is to to follow God more and more. That as we place our lives before Him on a daily basis, in a moment-by-moment -moment basis, that what happens is we begin to understand that as a result, we're called to make disciples. Scripture tells us, Jesus said, Therefore, go into the nations. 
making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You see, we all share these very similar callings, and yet you also may have a very specific calling. Maybe you don't know what that calling is right now, and and that's okay, but here's what I do know, that God has called us all to do something. And he makes it clear, and he'll give you the gifts that you need that are needed, and will continue to develop those gifts. That, it, but he he gives them, and he places them on our life. We we talked about this many months ago in Romans, chapter twelve. He he says if if in his grace that God has given us different gifts, that we may not all have that same gifting, but but he we are all gifted. In fact, it says that we've, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things so that the body of Christ will be made complete in Him. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak boldly with faith as much as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve Him well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If you have the gift to encourage, then encourage others. If it's giving, give generously. If God's giving you the ability to lead, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, do it gladly. Essentially, God has gifted you. Use those gifts. And if you don't know what God's gift is for you, here's my encouragement. Find people that know you and that you trust within the body of Christ and ask them. Ask some simple questions like, what is it that you see God has gifted me with? What is it that I do or how is it that you see that God can use me? What's a great, I mean, think about the, the, the discussion on the way home or around the kitchen table. Not just with your spouse, but with your kids as well. Here's where I see that God is gifting you. Develop that. Use it. I mean, maybe you have a small group that you meet with uh, of other Christians, and you say, here's what we're talking about at church, and we've been talking about. How do you see that God has gifted me? Because you have got it. You are gifted. God has given you what you need to carry out the calling that He's placed on your life. But also ask yourself what you're going to do with that calling and with those gifts. Because we see in Saul and David two very drastically different responses. One of the next times we encountered Saul in 1 Samuel is he's... It's right after he's been anointed king over Israel and Samuel has now gathered the nation. He's called everybody together and they're going to pick out who's going to be king. But we know because we've got the text in front of us that Samuel has already, oh actually two people already know who's going to be king. Samuel and Saul. And so Samuel gathers the people and they they start the process. 
that you know they they pick a tribe that it's going to come the king is going to come from Saul's tribe they go down to the clan level and start working through that and all of a sudden Saul's clan down to the family level Saul's family within within the family who's it going to be all of a sudden ding Saul is picked He's going to be the first king. And here's what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 21 to 22. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. Saul selected. He knew going into this process that he was called. He was gifted for it. The Spirit is upon him. He's selected to be king. And where is he? He's literally hiding in the baggage. They can't find him. This guy who in chapter 9 is described as a head taller than everybody else in Israel. He's this big, strapping leader-looking guy, and he's hiding in the baggage. I mean, he's called, he's gifted, he, everybody knows it, and, and, and yet he's saying to himself, I don't think I have what it takes. It's almost humorous, except for the fact that at times we do the same thing. We're called, we're gifted, others can see it. It's being developed, and yet we find ourselves hiding in the midst of the baggage. Maybe it's the baggage of our past. God, you know what 2020 looked like. You know the things that have gone on in my past, and, and you know, there's all this stuff. And we bring that as excuses. Maybe it's the baggage of our insecurity that continues from some of that. Well, God, I, I fail at so many things. Surely you can't use me. I've got all this stuff and mistakes and, and history. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe if I knew more, if I'd been a follower of Christ longer, you know, maybe I could do what you've called me to do, but, you know, We also hide in the baggage of our security. God, things are going so well. Things are just rocking along, God. Thank you. So, you know, let's just keep it where it's at right now. I mean, what if I would step out and fail? What would people think about that? Maybe you're hiding behind the baggage of busyness. Well, God, you know, I know you've called me, but I'm kind of busy right now. I mean, I've got family and work and kids and all these things that are just going on in the midst of this, and I can't add another thing. I mean, can you just check back later, God? It may be another time. Maybe for you, the baggage that you're hiding behind is one that I see 
especially pastors and, and leaders, other leaders and things falling into, it's the baggage of comparison. Well, if, maybe if I was more like him or more like her, you know, but I, just, I don't know, God. I, I see these people and I see this stuff and I, I just... And the problem is, is that if we're buried in our baggage... We're never going to get where God wants to take us. If we won't ever leave the baggage behind, if we won't stand up outside of that, we're never going to be who God has called us to be. And here's the good news, though, is that if you're called to it, if you're gifted for it, if others can see it, and God is, is putting this before you to step into it, then the best thing that we can do, and not just for ourselves, but also for others, is remind ourselves and others that God didn't call us to live amidst the baggage. And so in contrast, we find that David responds quite differently from Saul. The next time that we find David mentioned in Scripture after being anointed as king is he's showing up to deliver meals to his brothers. The battle lines are there. They've been going at this for a while, coming up and charging at the edge of the hill, screaming at one another and going back. And now Goliath has come up. And he's the champion. And he's, he's going to represent the Philistine army. And he's calling out for the other champion to come out. And you know, whoever wins, that army wins, and, and everything's, and he's insulting day after day after day, not just the men on the line, but the entire nation, and as the nation, he's insulting God. And David, in chapter 17, his response is the still, he's still the little shepherd boy, and he says, what will a man get for killing this Philistine? and ending this defiance of Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? I mean, we can see the contrast. Saul, he's hiding in the midst of the baggage. David steps up. He doesn't say, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes. Instead, he's saying, God, take what I have. And when we feel like we're more like Saul and we say, God, I don't feel like what I have what it takes. What we're really saying is, God, I'm basing all of this outcome on my ability. When we say, God, take what I have, it's yours. What we're really saying now is it's God's outcome. Just use me, God. David understood this truth. Later in the story, we find that Saul and others try to make him like them. Saul's armor and all those different things, it's unwieldy. It, it, it will never fit. So he takes it off and he takes the simple tools of a shepherd boy. Being gifted by God means you have something to give. And I'll admit that there are days that I want to hide amidst the baggage. You know, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes to be the husband that you've called me to be. 
God, I, I don't feel like I have what it takes to be the father that I know you want me to be. God, uh, it's Sunday. i got to preach. Are you sure about this? There's got to be somebody else. God, there, there's different things going on, and I, and you know, could you just take care of that for me? That I wouldn't feel, and I just don't feel it, God. But I have to remind myself that the outcome of the tasks that God has put before me aren't dependent on me other than being obedient to who he's called me to be. That it's dependent on God who's called me. Our, my job is to be found faithful. My job is to be found obedient to the daily calling of God. That I lay down my life, my priorities, my preferences in order to be who God wants me to be. And just as the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David, the Spirit of God has come powerfully on you for what He's called you to do. But one of my fears in this message is that we will hear it and just say, well, great, God's going to add one more thing. I hear I am already booked, things are hectic, life's gone, you know, and God wants me to do one more thing. But the good news is that Jesus didn't come to add one more thing to your life. The good news is that when we understand that we are gifted by God for a purpose that brings Him glory is that it brings freedom for us as well. Because we stop living amidst the comparisons and all the things in the baggage of this world. And what we find is it brings us the freedom from comparison. It brings the freedom to celebrate other people's gifts, not just my own. That it gives us the freedom to concentrate on what God has called us to do. That God hasn't made us awesome at everything. But He has gifted you with some things. So like every single one of us has opened up those Christmas gifts, and sometimes we have that feeling of, you know, I wish there was something different in the box. All of us have looked at that mirror at one point and said, God, I kind of wish there was something different inside of me. And yet, I want you to understand that while we may not feel spectacular all the time, don't confuse being spectacular with being significant. Because God has given you the significant gift to carry out the purpose that He's called in your life. And if you're willing to say being gifted means I have something to give, then the next task is to understand that we offer God what I have. God, you've given me this gift. You've given me these talents. You've blessed me. It's in your hands. I will do what you've called me to do. And take this gift and make an incredible story about what you do. You've got it. But are you going to be obedient with it? Are you going to offer it back to God? That's our decision this morning.
that we say, God, you've given me the kiss. Here it is. Take my life and make it yours. Take all that I am and conform it to you, God. Heavenly Father, this morning is we gather here today. There are a lot of lives and stories and feelings and emotions gathered together. There's also a lot of giftings and skills and talents, some of which for our own feelings and emotions, haven't been given as well as they should back to you. You've given us all a purpose. You've given us all a gift. Help us to find ways to express those in honor of you. Help us to love well. Help us honor you. To develop ourselves more like you in laying down our lives before you. That you would bless the gift as well as the giver. That that it's not about that necessarily as much as it is about just giving you honor for all that you give to us. God, thank you. And as we enter into this new year, may it be one where we honor you with all that we are. Not just individually, but as a family that is collected together as the people of God. May we bless and may this community know that they are blessed because you have encountered us and we've encountered them. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. God bless and we'll see you next week.